spectacular. Was it really? I was, Apparently, it was. Like, while, while she was doing it, I in my head, I'm like, I cannot believe this is happening right now. I cannot believe this bomb head that I'm getting right now. Nick, <laughs> <laughs> how are you holding up over there while we are talking about? I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping that this is the intro to the show. <laughs> Just name it just, head. Just, just name go right, the show head. Just go right off bomb head and into the music. those buttons mash cast i'm jared and i'm here with nick zelenkevich yeah yeah i'm here <laughs> and i'm here with mikey kitty so drop the bomb oh god <laughs> uh, nick is a little <laughs> nick is a little oh, i don't know what the word i'm looking for perturbed perplexed no he's no, here. no he's I'm, just here just just <laughs> Shocked and bemused. <laughs> really, really, Nick. Not, after not all, after all the bashcasts I've had to sit through before. That's true. No, and, no, no. And, and you and you're and you're wowed by this one. I was, well, not not shocked, like surprised or appalled, but more just sort of speechless really well, welcome <laughs> to how i feel I have, that I our bash cast used to be i have nothing to say cast. i have i have nothing to say on this topic i'm just gonna let it go yeah but he's he's a little perplexed by a pre-mash cast conversation that we were having not perplexed i understood all of it there was no <laughs> <laughs> i comprehended the it all audience is probably like what the f- is going on <laughs> i just simply have no input of value in this discussion welcome to how i felt for about 20 pre-mash casts well there you go it's the mash cast the pre-mash cast talk isn't always x-rated yep. no but it always was involving a specific type most some of the time that i cannot really Oh, really? Indulge in. <laughs> uh, I hope everybody had a good 4th of July, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take so here, dude. <laughs> Fireworks and drinking and beer pong. I was happy. Yeah. I actually got to play beer pong. I hadn't done that in years. Nice. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed the, the America podcast. Um, Pretty much our way of getting a podcast out before, you know, having to. Like, I know Nick had to. Uh, take a trip, and I took a trip down to uh, New Orleans. Yes, you which, did. Which was spectacular. Yes, it was. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, let's yeah. let's 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 get into it. Um, Nick, what have you been playing, if anything? Absolutely nothing. Um, I'll just say congrats to Rich and Amanda, uh, my brother and uh, now sister-in-law, on getting married. But uh, yeah, I was up uh, I was up in New Jersey for a week uh, visiting people and had absolutely no time to play anything. So yeah, it's it's terribly lame. 
Okay. Well, then let's just move right on to Mikey. Uh, I've been playing uh, Project X Zone still. I'm still pretty addicted to it. It's I, I if you have a 3DS, seriously, like just give it a try. It's a really good tactics game with a really interesting combat system. Um, yeah, I've I've been playing. I've been busy. It's been like crazy this past couple of weeks, and I've really haven't had much time to play anything outside of my usual in that game. I'm looking forward to some games though coming out eventually. Okay. Um, I got back on like early, early Monday morning. Had some flight issues, but I. <laughs> yeah, that picture you posted was really. You look super happy. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, the pilot were the pilots were late to the flight, <laughs> so that was nice. But um, yeah, I had a chance to play one game when I got back. Uh, thankfully, I took Monday off, but I uh, started playing Dark, which it's funny because we got a review copy of that game the day before July 4th, or on July 3rd. And I'm like, this is really not a good time to be sending out review copies of this game. Like, so many people are going to be traveling. Who's really going to have a chance to review this game over the next few days? But they sent it, and I thank them for that, for still, for, you know, uh, considering us from sending it out, but I just didn't think it was the best time. But either way, I mean, when I, when I got back, I installed it, and uh, mm, you know what? You can tell the developer really tried. They, re- I think they, they it, it feel. You know how some games are just bad, and they're bad. You know, like they're, <laughs> they're just bad games, and it's like the developer didn't give a shit about the game, and that's why they're bad. Yeah. I can see that they tried, and it just looks like they tried and they failed. Like, the, the game is a stealth game. It's like an all-stealth game. The premise is that you are a vampire. Of course, you wake up. The only thing you remember is your name. You don't know who made you a vampire, and that's the uh, problem. Amnesia. Yeah, yeah. The, the problem is that if you don't drink the the, the blood of the person that sired you, you're gonna turn into this thing called a ghoul, which is basically a, van- a mindless vampire. It's more like a, like a it's more like a uh, animal than a person. So you got to uh, you have to you, you you're looking for this person, um, or you're trying to like find some ancient vampire and use their blood because they their blood can substitute. But it was funny because they said, yeah, you know, if you can't find your master, then you have to use the blood of an ancient vampire. You know, somebody who's been around for a few decades. I'm like decades. <laughs> <laughs> That's not ancient. I mean, I know people who are alive that have been around for decades. Like, you know, <laughs> that's not ancient. So, yeah, and it's an all-stealth game. And you do have some, like, some vampiric powers. Like, you can um do this, like, shadow move where you can teleport from one place to another. You get, like, vampire speed. Of course, you can suck blood. But then here's where the problems start to come in because when you, like, you know, when you grab somebody and you suck their blood, if you turn the camera while you're doing it, your mouth is no is not connecting to their neck. It's just making this motion, and blood is like kind of like flying out. And they didn't even do it like Legacy of Kane style, where you know Kane has the remote blood pull thing like that he can do, which is actually pretty cool. It's like I'm so powerful, I can pull the blood out of your neck without biting you. That's you pretty know? badass. <laughs> that was Legacy of Kane. This is not the case. This is just the fact that they didn't put the character models together. The all of the guards hold guns funny. Like they look very awkward when they're holding guns, or even sometimes when they're moving around. Um, 
the level design. It's a stealth game. Like, you know, getting caught is a really bad idea. You really don't have many options when you get caught. Uh, and most of the time, it attracts multiple people. So, you know, you're going to get shot down. But the level design, like, isn't really all that fun to traverse. Like, it, when you have a stealth game, it's supposed to be fun to, to traverse the level and stealth around. And to be honest, and, and, and another thing is all of the guards are on timers. And it, they even tell you that they're on time, like, you know, movements. So basically, it's a, you're trying to figure out a puzzle. How do I get around this guy? Or how do I kill this guy when this guy's turned around? Uh, you know, you make certain levels of noise when you do certain actions. Like, if you kill somebody quickly, it doesn't make that much noise. If you suck their blood, it makes more noise. You can attract somebody else. Um, the voice acting is pretty bad. Um, I think the developers vo- voiced it themselves. One of the guys sounds like Max Payne and a young Clint Eastwood. So it's like, it's, yeah, it's just not, it's, dude, it's just not that, that great of a game. Um, and it's freezing on me, like hard freeze. Like I have to control, delete, and then when it loads back up, it goes. But like I'll be in the middle of like walking, and then I'll just boop. The entire game freezes on me. It's it's insane. Well, that blows. I know, and it's rough to play. Like I, it's rough. I I just like I don't know. Like ten minutes after I start playing it, I want to stop. And that it's making it really tough. And I mean, the thing is, like I said, I could tell the developers like they tried, they did, and I just don't think this is their type of game. You know, it, at least it, it looks pretty good. It's cell shaded. It looks it looks pretty good, um, but even like the voice, like the the um, mouth movement doesn't go with what they're saying. And there's this one chick when she talks, it sounds rushed. Like the next statement almost starts like immediately after she stops the statement. No breaths or anything like that. So it's uh yeah yeah it uh such a shame. And not the game I really wanted to be playing as my first review. Come off of an awesome vacation, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's what I've been playing. Um, I have a couple. We have a couple other previews and reviews in the pipeline, but um, that's what I've been doing. But yeah, so, you know, because of all the traveling and stuff like that, um, I guess we really haven't had much to play, so we can actually just talk about news. <laughs> I'm glad you said news. Uh, okay, I'm gonna leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, so like... <laughs> let's get on uh, to our first topic, which is microtransactions in World of Warcraft. And uh, Nick is the, the the WoW aficionado around here, so I'll let you start. What are you thinking about that, Nick? Well, um, well, I guess it, when it all started uh, with the data mining uh, that. Uh, they, they've been doing because patch 5.4 being on the PTR, uh, the public test realm. Uh, so, you know, people are going through the code to see what, what's coming that isn't actually in the uh, available for testing yet. And they found some code for an uh, XP buff that is available through the in game store. Um, and what's interesting is that there is no in game store. And so, this, so people started asking questions, and then this led to an official response. Uh, from one of the uh, the blue posts on the forums, uh, where they basically said that they are planning on implementing an in-game store. Uh, it'll feature some some items such as the XP buff. It'll also bring some of the items that are available uh, in the Battle.net store now, 
Uh, but outside the game, it'll bring them like the mounts and the pets. It'll bring that in game. Uh, so this way, you know, you won't have to leave the game to buy some of these things. Um, and also it'll feature some other items. Uh, there's a lesser charm of good fortune uh, that is currently acquired either through doing daily quests or killing certain mobs. Um, and then these tokens are then used to be exchanged for other tokens, which can help get you better gear. Um, they're looking at using this as another way to get those. Um, but what's, what I think the most important part of this, though, is it, 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 they got the impression that this is primarily going to be directed at the Asian market, that they're looking to implement this with an eye towards the Asian market as far as um, video game, or I, I should say, I guess, video game monetization over there works a little differently than it does here. Um, well, and technically, well, the subs you can argue the subscription model is broken here anyway. Um, WoW has sort of been the one exception to the rule for that. Uh, but over in uh, over in Asia, they are looking more towards uh, moving that direction. They don't count subscriptions the same way there that they do here, because everybody plays in the PC bangs, and I think they think they just go by a per account basis as opposed to the subscription model that we have here. And I think they I think they pay hourly to play the game over there. So already they they have a different model there, and uh, this is uh, more of an indication that they're looking in that direction as far as monetizing that. That's not to say that this won't wind up, we won't get the in-game store here at some point. They do look at, you know, as I said, making access to some amounts easier. Um, and as far as these buffs go, um, the lesser charms of good fortune are incredibly easy to obtain, and most people have a ton of them. The only problem is that you can't transfer them amongst characters. So I have a ton on one character, but not so many on another character. If I can buy them, you know, spend a dollar for a token or something, Maybe that's worth it. I don't. I wouldn't pay that much, but I'm sure there are people who are. The other aspect being the XP boost for leveling. Um, that's significant only in the sense that leveling, leveling. I mean, as much as WoW has always been about the grind, the problem now is that they're putting out all this content for high-end players, and they want you to get your friends to come back. And a lot of people who have played WoW and then left, when they come back, they can't get back to the max max level content. If they hear, hey, Pandaria is great, they can't come back and get there. If they stop playing during Wrath, they still have to level through you know, Wrath and Cataclysm at that point. At least this will help make that process go a little bit smoother so that ideally they can get people coming back and just playing the new content that everybody wants to be playing. Um, I don't think this is a sign that WoW is going free-to-play anytime soon. I think this is just them kind of looking mostly at the Asian market and trying to figure out like how do they fit in there better. But, I mean, for, for, for the longest time, though, anytime you know, Blizzard or Activision has wanted money, they can just be like, hey, new mount, $25 on the... Uh, on the the uh, on the Battle.net store and people buy it. I see plenty of them in the game, and I mean some of them are cool. They had the uh, what the the Heart of the Ancients uh, dragon mount last year. They had the uh, the Winged Lion mount I think last year also. I mean they do have some interesting mounts that you can get on there if if you're willing to pay for it. So there's nothing wrong with that, and you know make, putting that in game is great. So I, it's 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 an additional revenue source. It probably helps offset the loss of the four million accounts over the last two years that they've had. But I don't I don't see this as a sign that WoW is in any kind of danger or trouble or or vastly shifting uh, vastly shifting their revenue paradigm. Um, not to say that they won't down the line, but for now I, I think it's it's in addition to the status quo. Hmm. See, when I first heard it, I didn't really think that it meant they were free to play either. Especially since they already have items that you can buy, like, you know, you said the mounts and the pets and stuff like that, and now it's just going to be end game. 
which kind of makes sense to me because you know now you don't have to go out of game to to get them. I actually I kind of thought there was a place you could buy that stuff in game, but apparently not. Um, the XP boosts and, and things like that, I think that's fair um, because you know typically I I worry about that in games where PvP was a huge deal. But even in like WoW, it's not even necessarily about level; it's about gear for PvP, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, then... yeah so that's the thing that kind of negates that. So just getting an XP boost so you can level is fine, you know. And that's that. That I, I don't see any problems. With. Has there been any negative feedback about this? Um, n- nothing specifically that I've seen. I think most people are. are I think there was just a lot of confusion and surprise. Um, the, in that this was, you know, this wasn't how we expected it to be announced or discovered. Um, and they should have known better than to slip, you know, to, to even let something like this make it to the PTR. Um, because I mean, I've been having a field day myself looking at all the sites that are finding all the spoilers, um, for the next raid and stuff coming out. Um, and, and they know that people go through this with a fine tooth comb once, you know, once the, uh, you know, all the updated content is downloaded onto the onto the systems. You know, that's there are people. That's all that they do is they just comb through the PTR looking for this stuff. So they had to know that 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 someone was going to find this. And it almost seems, I mean, it, it seems kind of meek. You you would think like, hey, in game store, you know, XP buff. You know, the, I'm I'm really not that excited about the lesser charms of greater fortune, but. I'm sure some people are, but I mean, to have that kind of stuff available, that, that's great. And this is, this is newsworthy and it's almost like, you know, we basically kind of found it by like peeking through like Chris Metzen's garbage. Like it's not really the way, it's not really the way I think they wanted us to learn it. So I think that was more so mostly the, the more surprising part, but I, it's, I mean, it's not, it doesn't spell the end of the game. I think most, mo- anybody who would be invested in wow enough to have an opinion on this already has max level characters. So for them, I mean, maybe, I guess, the, the only time it might come into play when the next expansion, when they, they raise the level cap, I'm sure that everybody going for the world first till 95 or 100, whatever the cap is, I'm sure they'll be paying for the XP buff. But, I mean, it's, I mean, it, it was, I think it's an 100% XP buff, which is what you get from being rested anyway. So I'm not sure if they stack. We'll have to see how that's implemented. But uh, hmm. no, I, I don't think there's any real cry that, you know, Blizzard's doing something wrong here. Do you think this could ever lead to them selling max level characters? I think I don't think so. Only because only because generally the, the one thing if you if you if you look at the stuff that they make available, the one thing that you cannot do is change your class. They all like you can change your race, you can change your 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 uh, your faction. Um, you cannot change your class, and I think there's there's a, a, a line of thinking there that you need to learn your class as you play. Um, there's nothing wrong with kind of speed learning it, but ultimately, ultimately, when you get to max level, they expect that there's a certain familiarity you have with that class that you're playing. That 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 90 means that okay, I have reached some level of competency with this skill set, and for them to sell characters at 90. That would mean, you know, that would short circuit all of that, and I think that I, I won't say that they'll never do that, but I think it's it, that's not their current philosophy on how to how to go about monetizing the game. I th- I think before you before they do that, you'll it, or if if they're going to do that, you'll see them allow class changes, and that would be a huge announcement. 
the reason I ask is because, you know, while it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be a huge boon for people who just play the regular content, who do the questing and stuff like that, because, I mean, part of the fun of questing is leveling. But for those who want to get into PvP, like, that, like, the leveling part is a huge barrier to entry for somebody like me, because I just want to hop into PvP at max level, and I'll go raid and stuff to get my gear, but I don't feel like going through the 90, it's 90 levels at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. To, to get max level so I can, you know, stand up in the arenas. Well, well, one, you can level by playing PvP. Um, they've changed uh, the... Ex- how fast is that? It's actually it's it's actually supposed to not be that bad. I'm I personally don't do much PvP, so I can't speak. Uh, like, but I, but I've I've heard they've they've made the level adjustments for the experience you get from playing PvP to be viable. So as you climb up through the you'll, you'll climb up through the level brackets and ostensibly, you know, be learning the you know that'll that'll sort of be your learning curve. So this way, by the time you get to the arenas at level ninety, you'll be you'll be competent in that. Well, because like the only game that because I've heard other games say that the only game that I've played. That where that has been the truth was Warhammer. Warhammer, you got so much experience from playing PvP over, over um, you know, PvE, and that's actually that led to Warhammer's downfall because like, you know, after you you know you, you pretty much used PvE in that game to do stuff between PvP. Yeah. And when you got to the end game, people were just kind of like, "Well, what do we do now?" I was fine with it. I was probably fine with turning on my game, getting in the queue, and going doing something else <laughs> until my until the game started. But not everybody yeah. was okay with that. I I have to wonder um, if you're looking at this just from a PvP perspective. I have to wonder exactly what the state of WoW's PvP game is. Um, they've got a new PvP designer. I think he came on uh, fairly early this expansion. Uh, and he's been very active as far as changing how PvP works and, and trying to really foster that community. And it's one of those things, though, where it's like as you're trying to foster and change a community, any change you make is met with horror and fear and trepidation. And so he's been fairly active in trying to interact with the community to make sure that everybody's on board with a lot of the changes. Um, this expansion saw them bring in the concept of resilience onto the gear uh, so that this way – uh, resilience being a PvP only stat, but all gear had a little bit of it, and so this way, uh, you know, this way, like your gear was still usable in PvP, and they've been tweaking that now. Uh, now I think they they got rid of the defensive aspect, so it's only an offensive stat. And the the problem that they're running into a lot this expansion uh, with the latest patches has been that the PVE gear is good enough that you can grind that out through the raids, and then all the gear you get through doing the PvP is is subpar and so that the, a lot of the pvp players don't feel like they want to have to raid just to be uh competitive and so they're trying to figure out the balance for that um and I, I, based on based on the responses i'm seeing they're not there yet that's that's still a work in progress yeah i mean they could take a cue from guild wars queue and make pvp only characters that was one of the best things about guild wars uh-huh. I think I, I think they're. I don't know if they're headed in a PvP only characters direction, but I kind of feel like they're they're headed in in a direction where I mean they're already kind of getting there. There are, there are a lot of skills now that have slightly different effects in PVE and PvP, and they run into the problem as a, as a hunter myself. Um, we've been all over um, as far as uh, you know. We were doing awesome damage in raids, and we were also doing awesome damage in PvP, and it was too much. And so now we're not doing so much great damage in raids because they nerfed our PvP uh, damage and utility, uh, and they're still doing that. Um, 
and it's 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 one of those it's one of those things because you, you know you, there there's you know it's the same character but for two different purposes and I think that that, that they're they're trying to overtune all the they're trying to overtune all the all the different encounters so much that it almost it's, it almost is going to get to the point where if not so much where I think the the interim solution is sort of like okay we'll have like one skill do something different in PVE and PVP but that's still that's still a very makeshift solution i think what they're ultimately going to wind up doing is dedicating one spec per class to being that's your pvp spec that it, it, you know we don't care about its utility or its damage in pve because it's not designed for that and i, I think everybody's going to wind up having to come around to that um but that's I, I i can't see that happening for a while but i think that's sort of the ultimate direction it's going to go i mean for now for now they're still trying to figure out how to get the gear and the and the skills balanced okay I guess well, it's all speculation at this point. Well, we have to see how the Asian test market does. Yeah. Well, I'm, um, well, I'm sure they'll, they'll they'll eat it up. They still, I mean, they st- it's still it's still a popular game. So it's not, I don't think I think this is this is just another excuse for for Activision to print money. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're always looking for ways to get more money. Which I mean, their business is nothing wrong with it, as long as they don't screw players in the process. That's that t- that tends to be the problem. Where people feel screwed over by the process, even if they're not. Yeah, but that's their problem. <laughs> not, the, not the developers' problem. I'm talking about like when they're oh, not developers, but you know when publishers do things legitimately that are um, that you know kind of hurt that hurt the players, or you know hurt the players that are legit, you know, or the ones that have been supporting them in 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 the hopes that they pick up new players, but. No, that's it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but moving from that, um, speaking of development, actually, were we even speaking about development? I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't even know. That, that was a bad transition. <laughs> speaking of development that we weren't even speaking of. <laughs> um, loosely. What is that? I said loosely. Loosely, loosely. Uh, so, Double Fine, actually, was it, it was it a year ago at this point that Double Fine... Um, it was over a year ago. It was over a year ago. They had the Kickstarter that changed Kickstarter, pretty <laughs> much. The Kickstarter that changed Kickstarter and the aspect that, you know, it, it pretty much was supposed to help fund an entire game. They asked for $400,000 to complete an entire project, and instead they got $3.3 million. Well, now it turns out that even though they got $3.3 million, they need more money. Uh, and, well, actually, I'll, I'll explain what they're going to do, but they need more money, and Chris Schaefer explains it, and he kind of puts the, he, well, he does put the blame on himself, saying, you know, he uh, he made a game too big. They, they designed a game that was too big, and in order to finish it, they need more money. Uh, so I don't, you know, I don't know how to take that. Do you take it as they had an idea, and because they got so much money, then they overlooked it, you know? I think it's bad management, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it definitely could be bad management. I think they they I think they overestimated what they could do with the money they had. They thought, wow, we have all this money, let's just do whatever the fuck we want. Well, that's what I'm and, asking. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, is it that, or did they just totally mismanage it in the first place and ask for not enough money? Like, the $400,000, like... If you can't do what you need to do in $3.3 million, what was the $400,000 supposed to do? Make a prototype to give to a publisher? Like, 
You know? Like, I don't... I think they 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 thought they had more than... I don't know. I, I just think they think... I think they thought they had more to play with than they thought, so they th- started throwing in all these features that initially they probably wanted to do but couldn't do, and... I just don't know what they did to blow through all that money. To It's just, I don't know. Well, no, I mean, like, development's expensive, especially, like, you know, because like, there's a lot of salaries to be paid. Even, I mean, a, a Double Fine's not a huge studio. It's still, you know, pretty big. Uh, lots of time taken to do, you know, especially if they want to do bigger ideas in the development. Um, not to mention they probably threw things in there like advertising and you know, all types of stuff that, you know, I can't even think about because I've never made a game before. Yeah. Uh, but $3.3 million, you know, actually, I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to say it, it, it's not a lot of money for game development. But then again, you know, we're so used to games spending like $60 million, $100 million, like a Call of Duty, to to produce their games. But there's a lot of fluff around that, like, you know, putting commercials in the NBA Finals. But and then on the opposite spectrum, you talk to I think it was Awada said that if your game sells no he said if your game sells one million copies, you're good to go. Like you know you've totally recouped that. But then again, you know game sell what like fifty bucks a piece at the minimum for them. So I don't know. Like is three point three million dollars enough? It depends on the team. I mean on one on one hand you have the guy who made Gunpoint spending thirty bucks to make his game and now on the other hand you have these guys with 3.3 million dollars who now have to break their game into two parts and this is their plan they're going to break the game into two parts they're going to release the first part on steam early access to help generate more money so they can finish the second part and then everybody that's paid for it or if you kickstarted it you'll get the updates for free as they get them so it's going to be you know part one of the game and then part two of the game the full game won't come out until 2015 even part one won't come out so until like April So, if I helped kickstart the first game, do I still get the second part, or do yeah, I have to help kickstart the second part? It's considered one game, but they're they're breaking it into two pieces. So, yes, you there is going to be no additional Kickstarter. This is it. Like you know, if you kickstarted the 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 game, you will receive both parts. And the the people who buy it on Steam early access, they'll get the second part for free. Hmm. I wonder how I much. How much? Like, I wonder how much of the second part's done, and how much money they need. That's what really I need to know. Not even done. I mean, we're talking about like April of 2014 for the first to get the first part. I just, I really wish I knew how much it costs to develop a, an adventure game, like a point-and-click game. How much I does think that really it, cost? Honestly, I think they just over. They they're trying to put too much shit in it. It's it's probably a quality thing to be honest with you, like because you know it's a point-and-click game. But you have to have great art in those games if you mm-hmm. want to stand out. You have to have great voice acting, great dialogue, and that's the creativity department is probably where they're spending all, all of that stuff. I mean, the, there doesn't appear to be any big backlash, you know, from this uh, that I've seen. Not a, a bunch of huge backlash. I mean, when you kickstart a project, it kind of anything happened. For example, when I, I kickstart an indie game in the movie, I'm still waiting for my special edition Blu-ray. Of indie game the movie that yeah. came out like years ago. That yeah. you're in. And then I'm in. I'm in that movie for like three seconds, you know. So I still have 14 minutes and 57 seconds of fame left. I was standing no. behind Phil Fish. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, but like, that's the thing. Like a um, 
yeah, I'm still waiting for that. And I go to their site every now and again, and they have DVDs for sale. They have Blu-ray for sale, but they don't have the special edition <laughs> Blu-ray for sale. And it's, if I see that on sale and I haven't got one in the mail, that's going to be a problem. I even lost my indie game movie shirt. No, I didn't lose it. I know exactly who has that shit. <laughs> it just struck me in the head. I know exactly who has my shirt. You got to quit letting those girls walk off with your shirts, man. I know. that I, I got a Portal 2 shirt from PAX one year, and the, I, let, I was letting a chick wear it, and she fucking ripped it. What a bitch. She ripped it? She didn't do it on purpose. Like She like was sitting on the couch. And you know how they do that thing where they put their oh, knees man. underneath the shirt? Yeah. She did that, and I'm looking in horror as she's doing it to the man. shirt. I'm like, no. If she was going to rip it, she could at least rip it off of you. And then she like, yeah, that would have been, yeah, that been, that <laughs> no, been, that been, okay. been I think I would have still, been, I still, think I still been upset because the shirt felt awesome. Like, <laughs> when I put the shirt on, it just feels good. The material of the shirt was valve quality. And so, well, yeah, that's, yeah. But, yeah, so I, I, yeah. Back to the, I was going to say, back to Indie Game the movie. No, back to the Double Fine. Um, I, I, you know, this is like, it's funny to see how, if now this is going to be another trend. Well, actually, not, I can't even say if it's going to be another trend because we are seeing other games that were kickstarted come out on Steam Early Access. You know, and try to get additional money. Um, well, actually, no, the Uber game. The Uber game was not. Actually, no, yeah, the Uber game was Kickstarter, wasn't it? Planetary Annihilation? That was yeah, Kickstarter. Sure. Yeah, that was Kickstarter. And then they came out on early access asking for $90 a pop. That, that was the problem, is that the Kickstarter dictated the price for the early access. Yeah, and that was why you know they they didn't want to lower that, and I guess let people buy the game for less than the 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 reward for the Kickstarter. So yeah, you know I guess we you know it might be worth to check what was the what was the minimum buy in in order to get the game for uh, Double Fine Adventure because that might be setting the early access price again. We could be running into that. That is true because uh, well, I mean. Yeah, maybe some early access people would feel not early access. Some some original backers would feel a little upset that the early access price might be lower than what they paid. But then again, I mean, if you paid a hundred dollars for the Kickstarter, then that's on you. Like the Kickstarter, there's there's no guarantees with the Kickstarter. It's not even guaranteed the game's gonna come out. There have been successful Kickstarters where the games have been canceled, and we're we've been seeing all that. It's, you know, the article that we're reading from from the PA report, which is Nick's favorite uh, website. <laughs> but um, I have a love hate relationship with them, and they make a good point. Like you know, you know, backers are getting a taste of what it's like to be a publisher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because publishers deal with that. You have developers. You know, you're asking for a progress report, and the developers just like, man, money. You know, we need more money. Like you know, and that's 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 kind of what people are dealing with here. But the the thing is though, like I mean, the publisher, you, you know, I mean, admittedly, in both cases, it's a sunk cost. You're not getting that money back. But the publisher, at the very least, can be like, you know, well, you know what? You're not finishing the game then. Just, you know, pack your bags and go home. In this case, it's entirely at the discretion of Double Fine. And, we, you know, I mean, they can they can keep asking for, for more money and, and we can tell them, like, no, you're not getting it. I mean, I suppose, I mean, what would happen if they put the game out for early access? Everybody that already wanted the early access already paid the $15 to get the game off of the Kickstarter. And there's no market for that. To a degree, they're assuming that there are people who are going to want to buy the game that are willing to pay for it to fund that second part. And 
you have to figure, especially for the way this came out of nowhere. Yeah, ha- I, I, I can't. I can't imagine that there's like a large group of people who are like, oh, hey, I missed that Kickstarter a year ago. Let me buy the game early and get in on that. I, 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 I yeah, that that's they, the same thing I was thinking. So they, yeah, they may have already eaten all they're going to they may They may have gotten all they're going to get. There may only be three point three million to be had selling an adventure game. Yeah, that's the, the thing is, like, you know, the people who were really into the game, they a lot of them probably kickstarted it. You know, so they're going to get the games anyway. Like, how many more people want this adventure game? Or is it one of those things that they're hoping to draw in a crowd of people uh, with this genre? You know, like, because there is, there's an entire generation that have not played games of this, games like this before. These point and click games. So, you know, maybe, maybe we can, you know, they can draw up some additional business by getting, showing people that this, you know, this game, you know, these types of games are, are awesome. I mean, I, re- I remember playing Full Throttle. I fucking love Full Throttle. If they make, like, a HD remix of Full Throttle, I'd buy it and play it again. You know, but that's just, that's not for everybody. I think, like, adventure games, that is, like, that is a gamer type of genre. You know, anybody can get into a first-person shooter. Anybody can get into uh, a sports game. I mean, you even have people now, like, you know, WoW is like a casual game for a lot of people, you know? Mm. It's like, it's, it's and, well, Mark Cern definitely thinks that WoW, um, that WoW has, you know, made a lot of changes to drawing casuals, which is true, because, you know, it doesn't take as long to level as it used to, the grind's not necessarily as important, um, so, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a couple, not just a lot of genres, but a couple of genres that are for everybody and can draw casuals. And I don't think adventure games are one of those, you know? You have to kind of really be into the narrative and the story. Like, you don't have to be in the narrative of Call of Duty. You just couldn't... No, you just shoot shit. You just might want to shoot shit, blow some shit up. But I think think one of the reasons that Full Throttle and and, uh, Grim Fandango are so loved is because the narrative and the story were awesome. And so, I mean, if anybody's got the pedigree to sort of go go back to that, it is double fine. That's why, you know, that's that's fundamentally why they got that three point three million. And it's, you know, I, I don't want to say, if anything, in a way, it's almost in a way they'd almost be better off doing a second Kickstarter because there's no motivation for anybody who already put money into the game that's going to get that early access. There's no motivation for them to purchase it through Steam. And I don't even know if there's a way to do that. If you can buy a game again through Steam that you already bought. Um, well, through Steam, yeah. Like, if you if you don't have a key in for it, then yeah, you can do that. But what if you do have a key? Like, if, like yeah, if, you, if it's already in your library, you can actually buy it again and gift it. Yeah, why don't I just well, gift it to the people who didn't kickstart it? That That may be the only way, then. Because it it almost seems to me like maybe if like if assuming there's no there, there's no more bodies of people to actually give them money that they're all they can do is just get more money from the same base that they've already hit. Early access isn't going to do that for them. Everybody's already got the early access. They have they they'd have to do another Kickstarter to go through. So may, that might be something we might see if the uh, if if the early access doesn't get them the money that that they're looking for, which it may not. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what ha- what happens. I mean, like, you know, huh? One one thing I just want to point out is I'm I'm looking at the uh, the Kickstarter now, and I just find it amusing that it says uh, what the, for the game estimated delivery October of 2012. Oh, really? <laughs> 
that's what the that's what the four hundred thousand dollars. And they started getting the whole. Well, we got three point three million dollars. You know. <laughs> that's what it's Sorry. all going towards. Sorry, Stri- strippers and blow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, oh man, that's why Tim Schafer was. You know, that's why the game isn't done. That's why he needs more money. Like, oh man, I was so high for the last year. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I, I um, I mean, the game, the game is obviously going to come out at this point. Hopefully, it's good, and hopefully, you know, hopefully it can attract a crowd. But only time will tell. Uh, but moving on to our next topic, uh. EA has made an announcement. Well, they didn't make an announcement, but uh, there were some talks going on, and EA has said that they are changing Origin to focus on gamers, which that statement by itself is so wrong. <laughs> like it's like, oh, so the 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 platform, the digital platform for your video games, you're now gonna change it so now it's for gamers, which clearly means that before the service wasn't focused on gamers, you know. It was focused, you know, focused on driving revenue and transactions. Well, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but at the expense of gamers. I mean, when Origin first came out, we had the whole ordeal with it, uh, you know, scanning files that I had no business scanning, you know, and getting all up in your, getting all in your business. And you know, now they it continues to, you know, it's still not very gamer centric. Like you know, like actually, because like I just got Origin a couple weeks ago, and one of the first things I noticed. Is how slowly those games download. Slowly on Steam, I could get a brand new game. I could get um, like for example, when I installed Saints Row Three, which is actually a pretty large game, or no, better yet, Arkham Asylum, um, uh, Arkham City, uh, which is actually a bigger game than Saints Row in terms of uh, data. I downloaded that entire game within an hour. Okay, Crisis Three took me how long like three four hours to download um battlefield three four hours i didn't even start mass effect because i'm not going to play until i do the dlcs of mass effect 2 um but yeah so that was just one of the first things i noticed like you know how you have to do the purchases like it's not very it could be better and Typically, it's not necessarily that, you know, when a, when a service first starts, it's not that big of a deal, but it's a couple things. First of all, EA Downloader has been around since at least 2006, 2007, possibly before that, but that's when I noticed that it was around that time. So you have that, so it's been around for a while, and you have Steam. You have a perfect example to go by. I mean, you don't have to copy it, you know, uh, exactly, but you should at least be comparable to it. You know, you don't want to be different and then be more difficult to use. And it, it's funny uh, because you know some of the, I'm curious like how are you gonna make Origin more gamer centric? Um, the EA is talking about okay we're gonna have chat programs and you'll be able to track your friends and basically everything that they mentioned you can already do in Steam. At this point you can't afford that. You need to be, come out with something that's better than Steam. One yeah. one of the th- one of the things that uh, I think it was uh, Andrew Wilson, the uh, e- EVP for uh, I guess the uh, Origin. Um, one of the things he talked about is there's there, there's sort of three ways that people interact with Steam, or, or, or not Steam Origin, and uh, and and like one is they they use it as a storefront. So when they come in, they want to see what's on sale, they want to see what games are available, and then they want to use it like that. And then the other way. 
was that they want people to come in and see what you know like what their friends are playing so they see their friend playing a game uh, and rather than have to go like go looking through three different games like go into the game look to see who's online in that game rather than doing that they can come in and just get a quick shot of who who's playing a game and what they're doing there and then the other way is to come in and get in their library and then just see what games they have and then go through and click on you know sort of sort of click on that make sure that the game's up to date and get in that way and so as far as how that then trans you know sort of like they want to give people i guess the choice of how they interact with origin and, and sort of their their point of entry for it and i guess out of those three methodologies is sort of where they're like what they're thinking but they don't really talk about like sort of the features they're going to add to that beyond the general, you know, social networking and accessing your friends and that kind of stuff, which I mean, steam does all that perfectly adequately fine. But even then we have, you know, so many other social networks now, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what additional sort of services origin can offer that I'll be like, you know what? I need to have that on my computer outside of exclusive games. Um, but the one, the, the, the one thing that he does mention though is that because they do the, the one the one thing that seems consistent across all the different articles that I've seen here is that it's it's not about transactions it's about gamers it's not about transactions it's about service and they're downplaying the aspect of the transaction and when pressed on that his response was ma- mostly about how you know you might be paying for games you know you might be paying the sixty dollars up front you might be buying a game that's on a, at a discount you might be buying a free to play game with microtransactions and so they're not. So up till now, they've sort of been focusing on that, the actual, you know, the actual point of point of sale, and they're trying to minimize that. And they know that that is a, that the the way that works is very fluid, and especially given the way the industry is changing, you know, they they don't know what the nature of transactions is going to be five years from now. You know, is free to play going to be completely ascendant, and you know, box games are going to be basically dinosaurs. Or you know, or is there going to be some new model that we're not going to know? So there's, so what they're saying there is that instead of sort of building the experience around purchasing things, that's going to be sort of that's going to be immutable or mutable rather. That's going to that's not going to be what Origin focuses on. It's going to be more about the overall experience that it provides around the games, and that'll allow them this way to change how the transactions work as the industry dictates. It, all that still sounds like they're just playing catch up. That's the yeah. thing. Like, and they, right now you can't afford it. When you do that, you can't just catch up. You have to do something that puts yourself ahead of the competition. Because at the end of the day, they aren't. They, they're saying that they, they don't want to compete with the competitors. They want to add to the service. You're in a competition with Steam. If you want to add to Steam service, put your damn games on Steam. That's how you add to their service. Yeah. But the thing is, I mean, you. The, the, Steam has such a huge advantage because of the amount of games they have and the libraries users have already built up. Origin's only, not even advantage, their only, their, their, their biggest their trump card is that they hold games hostage. They hold their games hostage there. And that's, that's their trump card, you know? And not even all of them. Like, when I went to go buy Mirror's Edge a couple of weeks ago, I bought it on Steam because it's still there. You know, but like it, and, and for a good price too. Yeah, Origin. That's probably. Yeah, like Origin, they're already not big on sales. They have like I think like ten to twenty games that are under ten bucks. You know, they're not gonna do a big Steam. So well, actually, no, they did do a, a big sale. They're, the they're, I think their first big big sale was for E3, and they might do that once yearly. That was their big big sale. 
Well, it's it's funny because one of the things that Wilson talks about is that he doesn't want people to have to go into different, you know, download managers in order to make sure all their games are up to date and put all these barriers to getting into their different software if they want to play with this game or that game or, you know, play with this friend or that friend. But fundamentally, that's what they're doing because it's, you know, the bulk, not just the bulk of the games, but the bulk of the people are on Steam. And it almost seems like if we have this service that's working fine, it's not your service, but we have the service that's working fine. Just put your games on there. You know, the market is kind of shifted in that direction anyway. And, you know, I suppose there's a question as far as whether we should be this reliant upon one service anyway, you know, to, to sort of, you know, raise steam up in, in such a steam. But regardless of that, you know, the way that they're using Origin, you know, especially especially with the games held hostage. I mean, ultimately, you know, if, if, if I want to buy a game off Origin or Steam, I should be given that choice. And, you know, either way, they shouldn't care. They're getting my money because they're getting the money from the game anyway. Right. I mean, you know, m- minus Valve's cut. But, you know, if, if, if you know, from if my friends, which is kind of what Wilson's talking about, if my friends are all on, on Steam, you know, by them restricting the games to origin, that's a barrier to entry. That's exactly what he's talking about them trying to get rid of. And, and maybe this is all extreme code for them being less restrictive, but I doubt that. Yeah, I mean, because like, right now their their bread and butter is the fact that they're holding games back. If they yeah. weren't holding games back, nobody be using Origin. No one. Nobody likes Origin. I, I think Wilson and his mom would. <laughs> That's like nobody uses Origin. And the thing is, like the Origin Steam is not only it's not only about the games; it's community based now. I have a pretty large friends list on Steam. I'm not gonna move that over to Origin, like you know, because the thing is, like not only would I have to, they would have to move over with me. And that a lot of people aren't going to do that. Plus, you have the Steam communities and all the pictures. And like, if you look at like some of these communities, like if you do your Shift tab while you're while you're in the game, so and some of these communities, like they're huge, they're huge in the groups, and you're asking for a lot. What you're asking for right now is for gamers, like for a community to move, like gamers. It's like asking the world to move from Facebook to Google Plus. Actually, we have, but the thing is that the world did that once already because we moved from MySpace to Facebook. But see, in the MySpace... Facebook was better. Yeah, well, but the thing is, it's, it's not just that, though. The MySpace era, there was a couple things that happened with MySpace. First of all, in the MySpace era, you still had a whole bunch of smaller social networks. You had your your Bebo and your... What was the ones that all the Asian people were using? It was... um, oh, not, not Zanga. It was something like that. Start with the X. Like I, it was heavily, it was heavily, 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 heavily like an Asian community. But then you had like Mahente, which is heavily Hispanic, and you had Black Planet, which was heavily black. And wherever the white people were going, I don't know. But you, then on top of that, you also had MySpace. And what basically what Facebook was able to do, it was pull everybody from all these groups together into one singular space. So that happened. But also with MySpace, MySpace failed to innovate, and that's where they fucked up. If MySpace, MySpace was supposed to go through a redesign, MySpace was supposed to innovate and come up with new features and stuff like that, and they never did. And that's why Facebook is constantly changing. So, so are, are you saying that, that, that it's, it's not that Facebook beat MySpace, it's more that MySpace ceded to Facebook? Pretty much. Like, MySpace got comfortable with being so large. They, they thought they were the giant that nobody could touch. So if we want to apply this then to EA and Valve, EA can't beat Valve unless Valve just royally fucks up. Exactly. They're too far behind. 
valid, or they have to come out with something that's so great, like because that's what MySpace did. Like MySpace, you know, all those other so, smaller social networks were were around before MySpace, but MySpace came out with, like with the way the profiles worked, and they were so customizable. MySpace came out the gate with something. Uh, well, I shouldn't say came out the gate. Like you know, I think it it took a little bit of time, but they came out with features that people really started liking. And then that's when people started going to MySpace, but they kept those other social profiles available. Now, like, who who goes to Black Planet? I don't know. Nick? <laughs> I never even heard of Black Planet until <laughs> you fucking said it, so... Yeah, like, that's the thing, and that's the thing, because it was, like, it was largely, like, you know it was a largely said? black community there. And Mahente was, was lar- largely Hispanic community. Wasn't MySpace trying to make a comeback recently or something? Yeah. But that, you know what MySpace is doing? Now they are a service that attaches with Facebook. That's what they do, like... <laughs> But um, yeah, I remember all that stuff, man. I remember my MySpace, Black Planet, Mahente, um, uh, put thing called College Club, which was awesome because you got an eight hundred number for voicemail, which was the shit back in like ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I could probably talk about that for an hour. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, but that's the thing, like right, like. Valve is constantly evolving, or say Steam is constantly evolving, or Valve is constantly evolving Steam. And they're not sitting on their laurels. They're not content with what they have. They are focused on making the experience better, you know. And now they're trying. Now they're trying to, you know, with with with, with what is called big screen. Um, uh, yeah, whatever. You, the thing that makes it look like a console. Yeah, basically, you know, they're focusing on getting on TVs and stuff like that, or into your living room as well. And they they are constantly pushing forward. But Valve, you know, like Steam had its its trouble, especially in the beginning. But then they got very gamer centric, and now they're so far ahead. It's like EA can't catch up. The only thing I can imagine if e, the EA could do, if EA convinced Microsoft or Sony to allow Origin to to work on their consoles. And when you bought an EA title, you know, through the consoles, it you got it on everything. Like if you bought if you bought buy, let's say, um the new Mirror's Edge, are they gonna call it Mirror's Edge two? Or it's gonna call it Mirror's I Edge. I don't know what the fuck they're gonna call it yet. If you bought Mirror's Edge two, I think it's gonna be called on the PS three, you also have it on the Xbox One and PC. If they did it, that would be a huge boon. I thought that was an uh, Xbox One exclusive though. No, it's not. No, it's not. No. Uh, so, you know, that will be a huge boon for EA. Like, wow. Because the thing is, like, because, you know... Oh, sorry. Valve had, you know, they had their little partnership with PS3, which actually worked well, Um, you know, where if you bought Portal, Portal. on PS3, you also got it on Steam. Yeah, that was the but shit. But it wasn't vice versa. That's the thing. And even with the Steam box, which, that that's a whole different console, though, where I, I believe, well, I don't know, like, I, I would hope that if you bought a game on Steam, it would then work on the Steam box as well. But, you know, is Microsoft or Sony really going to allow Steam to, to work inside of their ecosystem? Because Steam is, in terms of the library, it's a much larger library, whereas with Origin, it's mostly just EA stuff. And I really wish there was more connectivity between the PS3, the, the Sony environment, and Steam. Because I thought what they did with Portal Two was was a great starting point. Yeah, but or something the, more. At the same time, like I mean, how many games has Val is Val putting out on console? Well, 
Well, that's what I'm saying. I was hoping, like, more things would come, like, from other developers as well. But, meh. Well, they they were going to do the whole, like, the, the cross-play between PS3 and, um, and PC for Counter-Strike Go, and they pulled it back because they can't update the PS3 version as fast as they want to. No, that's true. So there's not to mention those PS3 guys were going to get murdered. <laughs> they were going to get destroyed. Well, because it's, it's like what happened with Shadow, whatever it was called. Shadow Run, I think it was called. That thing, yeah. yeah. Aren't they trying to remake that shit? Um, yeah, there's a, a Kickstarter. Actually, that should be out. Is that out now, actually? I haven't meaning to get that. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, but um, yeah, so, I don't know, EA... It, it seemed like you know, it's it's it, the way they worded it. It sounded like they want gamers to be on their side. Like, hey, we're thinking about you now. You know, we're, we're good guys. But the, in reality, they're just playing catch up, and it's it's not enough. Like, you have to come out with something spectacular, spectacular. Like, they need you know what they need to do. This is what they need to do if they want gamers on their side. When you purchase a game on Origin, you have it on Origin, and you get Steam keys. That's what you need to do. Because you know who does that? Gamers Gate. On some, not on all games, on some games. You yeah. can get that. There's actually a couple uh, distribution services where if you buy a game from them, you also get a key for Steam. Actually, the Humble Bundle works like that too. If you, I don't know if you guys have ever bought games from Humble Bundle, Humble Bundle or not. But um, yeah. So they, they need to, you want to be for the gamer? Put the games where the gamers are. You know? Say, hey, we'll give you Steam keys for these games. However, you have to buy them on Origin, you know. So that that ain't a bad idea. Yeah, call me. <laughs> no, but that's why well, I call you. They could just steal what you just said. Oh God, you're such a, a negative Nelly. Debbie Downer. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Nick. No, but I was gonna say that still doesn't. I mean, that makes them more competitive with Steam, but it and it and it serves the purpose of. Uh, with eliminating barriers that Wilson is talking about, but it still doesn't catapult them to number one. No, it doesn't. The number one is far away, but you need to make the journey first. Jesus. But that's the thing. They need to make that journey first. But the thing is, like, if you tell people you have to buy these games on Origin, but just get Steam keys, it makes people register for Origin. Maybe even download the Origin client. So now you have the accounts and you have their email addresses. Then over time, be like, hey, we got these games for sale. Why don't you come on over here and get and buy some more games? And eventually people get more comfortable with using the service. And as you, people get more comfortable with using the service, and they're like, yeah, I'll get the downloader if they, are, if they don't already have it. And then next thing you know, they're playing games for fucking Origin. Like, yeah, I've already bought an Origin. It's already downloading. Why should I go back over to Steam? You gotta go, it's not going to be fast. It's not going to be fast. Damn, I'm good. I know what I'm talking about here. This is good. <laughs> this is good. I just solved the yeast problems. I'm a problem solver. Spectacular. <laughs> no, nah, but um, yeah, we'll see what exactly to do because it's gonna be over the next couple months. They're gonna be talking about that, and uh, I guess making official moves. But uh, let's make an official move to our last topic. Um, Warren Spector, he's been talking a lot lately, and because I mean, he's not doing anything else anyone, exactly yeah like he's not making any games listening. he's not making any games so i guess you know he's doing like columns on games Look, industry he, he just needs to shut up live in his legacy and just 
move on because he's done. Now the only game like his, his legacy is Deus Ex, right? Like that's that is. Uh, am I missing well, something? Well, it, it depends how you want to where, where you want to cut off his legacy. If you just want to look at sort of the high point, or if you want to kind of note how he's kind of hobbling out on Epic Mickey and Epic Mickey Two. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. Let's, let's talk about Deus Ex. Like uh, that's his <laughs> legacy. Deus Ex is his legacy. You know, like when people talk about Michael Jordan, they don't talk about the Wizards. <laughs> You know, so yeah, we what what what's the wizards? <laughs> yeah, uh, so basically, Warren Spector is saying that well, I think it's like what, what University of Texas in Austin they have a free program. Uh, it's basically an academy for video game, uh, for for a video game. I want to say design academy, but not even that. I want to say it's a video game industry academy, where Warren Spector has taken you know, a certain amount of students and I guess, you know, teach them the tricks of the trade and how the industry works and hopes of making a better industry. Uh, and, you know, he's saying stuff like, you know, focus groups and people who crunch numbers aren't going to, I guess, build something that pushes the game industry forward. And that's what, who, that's who he's looking to train. You know, he says that uh, the publishing guys and the, the metrics guys are never going to come up with the next big thing, which is kind of true because they look at historical data. You know, this is kind of how we're in the situation we are with Call of Duty and that the military-style shooter because they're like, this This is what people are buying, make this. So he has, he makes a good point there, but I think, the, I don't know if he's missing this point or not, but or maybe he addressed it and I just missed it, but um, those are the guys with the money. Like, <laughs> they're well, most controlling the flow of cash. Well, he, did, he did say that as far as these these courses go, that uh, one of the things they'd focus on is presenting to CEOs and and effectively they're not looking to kind of ignore these people, but I think a, a lot of his focus is sort of on dealing with these people and being able to, you know, when they start throwing data at you about historical, you know, historical trends, being able to kind of like take that and, you know, kind of not throw it back at them, but at least communicate with them in a way that you, that you can get the game that you ultimately want made. But um, how is he... Has he successfully done that? Uh, he did get... He, he like, Actually, in this in this article here, he mentioned that he wanted to make a Western, but they told him that nobody buys Westerns, and then Red Dead Redemption came out. <laughs> so, the, like, how good yeah. is he at doing that, you know? Uh, I, I do like the part also where he basically claims credit for coming up with Minecraft in the 80s. Yeah, well, that's, cause, that's just because how graphics yeah, were back then. I, I don't know, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, how well has he has he done that? I mean, like after Deus Ex, I mean, there's Epic Mickey, you know. Uh, and, uh, the only like who and who is really doing that successfully? Because um, you know, Epic, you know, Epic, Epic Mickey's one game out of how many? Um, well, oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was gonna say to his credit, at least as far as getting Epic, Epic Mickey done, one of the things he references is you know, like meeting with the head of you know Disney, which is a giant, a giant media conglomerate. At which point, you know, he, I mean, how far is, I don't know, is, is Eisner still the head of Disney? Or he's long since retired. I don't remember. I don't but, remember. Uh, you know, I mean, whoever, whoever's the head of Disney is so far removed from video game development. Um, I mean, th- at that point, you're, you know, any, any technical skills you may have are completely useless in that discussion. I mean, right. that's entirely a, a business meeting. And so, I mean, he does have some, some valid points there as far as trying to educate them. 
Um, he's not teaching this class alone. So yeah, I know that's the shortcomings he may have. His partner hopefully will be able to fill in. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a good thing. Like teaching somebody how to, you know, how, you know how, how you go to Bobby Kodak and have a meeting. You know, like that's the thing. Like, how do you how how do you detract from his flaming hair? Like, don't stare at the hair. Don't stare at the hair. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but at the same time, like, I, if he was more successful at getting unique games like that out, I would um be more and and I would say, okay, yeah, that kind of sounds good. But even though, like, you know who they, who they need to have there? Peter Molyneux. Because like, <laughs> whoever he's talking to is listening. You know, they're giving him funding for his game. Including Peter ones, Molyneux? Yeah, like, even including What is he ones, working on? Well, now he's working on that god, that goddess. Goddess, yeah. Goddess. Goddess. But then you had, he had black and white, black and white too. Like, Fable. you know, Fable, one through three. <laughs> you know, so he's is, had is, games. Is he working on anything of the fables anymore? Or is he off that shit? Fable HD. Was he? Was he? <laughs> did he did he have anything to do with it? The HD version? Yeah. Well, he made the first one. Like he doesn't have to. Well, yeah, but I'm saying, was he in the development for the HD remake? No, like you. All they they're probably just updated. They're probably just updating uh, the way the game looks, but the content's still the same. Uh, oh. Does Malinu? Does Malinu even know how to program? Or does he just or does he just say whimsical stuff to the developers? Does he whisper it in in their ears as he's passing by? I'm gonna like, say both. He's gonna say both. <laughs> does he just like, you know, just stand there in the middle of the office and say amazing stuff? <laughs> to, to, to inspire people to work. That's how I picture Peter Molyneux's all <laughs> development studio working. I just imagine him as a little man in a black suit. Not even a real suit, but like a black outfit in a corner of a white room. Just talking. <laughs> just talking to everybody. Oh man, yeah. Peter Molyneux is the type of guy that you know you're in a dream in an all white room and he appears. He he's that I don't want to say the 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 the, the, the short person, but he's 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 that dream character from Twin Peaks. You know which <laughs> oh, one I'm talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they they need to have that guy there because somebody's he's somebody's listening to him. You know. He's probably telling them all types of whimsical stories. Like he could probably paint a picture really well with his words. You know, <laughs> have CEOs just sitting there with like their their fists on their chin, like, "Oh, tell me more about it." <laughs> you know, like it's yeah, it's it's they need to have him in those meetings. But other than that, like, no, him and people from Rockstar because they just make whatever the fuck they want to. <laughs> like westerns, yeah, like westerns <laughs> that don't people sell. Get a western through apparently. Yeah, Western's own cell. Or even Remedy. Remedy makes some not obscure games, but games that you normally wouldn't think uh would make it through. Like Alan Wake, even though technically speaking, Alan Wake um wasn't successful on launch, but I blame that on fucking um the fact that they launched the same exact day as Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> That, Mark, that was, statistically, that was, they were going up against the Western. They should have done fine. That is true. That is true. But it's Rockstar. You never count Rockstar out, man. I wouldn't even release a game against Rockstar Table Tennis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. God, are they, whatever. You know what? Never mind. Just, just never mind. Fuck Rockstar Table Tennis. I love Rockstar Table Tennis. Are you serious? Yeah, that shit was dope. Spin the ball, Mikey. Spin the ball. Fuck that mess. <laughs> Fuck that mess. 
Oh, no, but to go back for a moment, though, you're talking about all these studios, and I think that's kind of what Spectre wants to foster. He wants to take these people and put them through a, a course. And the whole point is these people already know how to design games and code. This isn't a... This is really sort of, if, you know, if you look at the overall aspect of, like, if... I don't know what the breakdown is. It's 50, 50% like game development and 50% business bullshit. This course is to take those people, the people that already have the game development mastered and just run them through the business aspect, like hardcore so that they can get out and they can make studios like remedy or rockstar and sort of these, you know, the, the people who go through this course, they'll sort of be the seeds that will, will germinate into the next, uh, you know, the, the next life cycle of, of, uh, of studios. Well, you know, I don't want to be a negative Nancy. You know, I can't be negative Nelly because that's already Mikey's job. Yeah, but, um, don't don't fucking step on my territory. Yeah, so like, my, that's my stick. I don't be negative. I do. You know, what? I hope his plan works. I hope his plan works. I just don't see. I don't necessarily think it can work that well. Personally, I, dude, not that's, holding my fucking breath. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It's basically what we need. we're not holding our breath. If it works out, awesome. It doesn't. Don't oh, really yeah, care. Yeah, I mean, it's. I would just hope that, uh, you know, if it doesn't, it's they won't push the issue if it's not working out. Like, you look, take that energy and try to educate some of these CEOs. You know, try to take what you were teaching those guys and actually use it to get some of these, like you know, these games, um, pushed through that really should be going through. So. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, though. Um, hopefully it works out. Hopefully it becomes a thing. And one good thing about the Academy, it's free. The Academy is free. So, of course, there's a limited number of spots, but it's free for you to go to if you get accepted. It's free, and you get a $10,000 stipend. So this way you don't you don't have to worry about income while you're there. Mm. So, cool. You get to learn stuff, and you get, you know, that. So that's cool. Okay, so, yeah, that's our last topic. That's going to bring us to the end of this podcast. What's coming out? Oh, it looks like Dark came out on the 28th, so... Yeah, it did. That's um, out on Steam. Yeah. Let's see. Um, hmm, a lot of stuff is already out. Shin Megami Tensei 4 comes out next week. Scourge out. Scourge Outbreak. I didn't know that was out. What is the, I saw screenshots and stuff. It looks looked interesting. I don't know. I can't even tell you what it's about, but yeah, looked interesting. I heard it got some bad reviews though, so we didn't review it, so I can't tell you for sure. Um, let's see what else is out. Nothing good is really coming out. Uh, Dota Two is kind of out. Like you know, they're slowly okay, letting people no, into it. No, just just it's been out. Fuck it. Yeah. That beta is a joke. That is literally just a running gag. No, um, but it's over. No, it's it, I think it's already know, over the, now. The beta it, is over. The game is live. But honestly, if if you really couldn't find a Steam key, that's just really fucking sad because those things are passed out like fucking candy on Halloween. Yeah, they they were passed out a lot. I had a Steam key. Yeah, I don't know I had, a person on Steam. I have seven. He didn't have a fucking Steam <laughs> key. Yeah, I've got like I probably had like four Steam keys laying around. Hmm. Dude, I'm looking at this release list, and it's pretty bare. The only thing I'm looking forward to is Shimagami Tensei Four. Like, that's it. That's a, like Stealth Inc. 
is coming out uh, for the P- for PS uh, well, for for the Vita and PSN. Stealth Inc. is Stealth Bastard. I don't know why they changed the name. It was it was called Stealth Bastard. It was a pretty funny game. Have you played either? You played Stealth Bastard? No. Like it's 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 a puzzle game about being stealth, and it's actually it's it's pretty funny. Like they'll it, it, there's stuff written on the walls trying to tell you how to play, kind of, and it'll say, um, you know. These lasers, what was it? Uh, we'll say these drones can't see, is that's what it'll say, but it won't say anything else. And then you jump down to the dark floor and it turns into a piano and it starts making all this noise. And it's like, I said, you can't see, not deaf, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like so. It, it does stuff like that all the time. It's actually pretty cool. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not really, I think July. Time to go to the backlog, guys. It's time to go to the backlogs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's time to start clearing some of that go out. PlayStation Plus, go download that shit now. You can yeah. go waste tons of hours at Saints Row Three. Yeah, PlayStation Plus. Um, actually, the, the the best of PlayStation Network Volume One is actually out, and it comes with uh, When Vikings Attack, Sound Shapes, Tokyo Jungle, and Fat Princess. Sony sent me a copy. I'll have like a review out for that pretty soon. Are people still playing Fat Princess? They will now. I just said it, and it comes in the four pack. So, mm, okay, we'll see. Yeah, time to hit that backlog, folks. We are in the drought. <laughs> we are in the. We are officially in the drought. I don't even know if any. Uh, any Unless other you're a Megatent fan, that's about it. Yeah, I don't even know if any other. Um, if any other um, indie games are really coming out. So yeah, time time to do that backlog, folks. Yeah. But um yeah, as always, thank you for listening. Uh you can catch us on uh soundcloud dot uh, com slash smash those buttons. We're also on iTunes if you want to subscribe there to get the podcast automatically when we publish. Uh we are on uh Stitcher Smart Radio as well, so you can stream to your iOS and Android devices. Uh if you want to, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh we are also on Facebook.com slash smash those buttons. It's twitter.com slash MTB site, by the way, and we're also on youtube.com slash smash those buttons. And like I said, thank you for listening, and we will catch you guys next week. Have a great weekend. The NSA is watching. Yeah. I got nothing. I, would, okay. I don't know. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> this is so... De- <laughs> We're out of here. Catch you guys later. Bye. <laughs>